0: And these men are excited because their lives have been changed. They met Messiah and Messiah has become real to them and they bought into the Christian life and they trusted in Christ for salvation. And there's no greater joy than knowing our salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that I promise you, if you've been penetrated with the gospel, it should be that message that flourishes from your mouth whenever the opportunity arises
1: we would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of John. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stuart. I've entitled our message this morning, uh, Go and Tell, the
0: greatest examples of Go and Tell, John 131 to 51, you ever had some really good news that you were dying to tell somebody? You know, I was sitting in my office and I was trying to think, okay, what, what kind of good news in my own personal life have I had that I just couldn't wait to tell someone? And then I rem- remembered uh, the seven children I have. And I remember when my wife would get pregnant. And, and she would reveal it to me in some tricky little neat way. But then there was always the excitement of, of reaching out and telling everybody else that we're going to have number seven. <laughs> and they would look at us like we were crazy. like They still do. But it was always really hard to contain my excitement. Maybe you've received that same feeling with your children a matter of fact I was fellowshipping with a brother in Christ and and uh he revealed to me and I kind of felt special because nobody else had known and he told me they were going to have another baby and he was so excited he said don't tell anybody yet we we can't announce it yet but it, you know it, the the excitement just came out of him you know I said your secret's good with me but maybe you've received news at some point in your life that you're excited about to tell others. Maybe it was a new car. Hey, come out and and look what I got, you know, a new boat. You want to see my new boat and go fishing, Uh, golf club, whatever it is, new horse, uh, you know. Whatever it is, there's something in your life that you've been so excited about to tell others. We love to go and tell the things that we are excited about. And to listen today's passage from John is simply about this reality a story of of men who were excited to go and tell and I think it's always good to ask the question and I want to ask you this morning what is it that you're always willing to go and tell what excites you that you're so Ready to reveal to people. Because whatever it is that floods your mind, whatever it is that is consistently proceeding from your mouth, whatever it is that you are so quick to tell others that you're excited about, is that which fills your heart. Let me elaborate for just a moment. Many of you are aware that I was away last week. Um, I I, I considered myself on a mission trip, and my mission was uh, undoubtedly successful. Um, My mission may not be what you think, and so here's a few photos that I wanted to share this morning. Um, Many of y'all know that we we got 20th place out of 120, 22nd place out of 120 boats. It was a great event. I was able to fish with my brother-in-law, Neil, and so we snapped a few of these photos of my mission, and my mission was to catch fish, and boy, we caught them, buddy. Uh, we, we, we really did have a great time, and, and so there's Neil. You know, professional photographer I am. But the reality is, is we had a great time catching all of these fish. But I want to reveal to you the greatest catch of all. While we were in Hopedale, Louisiana... God did some work. It was the 25th of October, our fourth day of putting on a fish clinic. (laughs) We awoke to a heavy rain. we had already been blitzed by a storm once, so we thought, okay, enough in one week to go fishing in the rain all day, but we caught fish all day in the rain. We just didn't want to get wet again, so we stayed in. and We went to the local marina there, which was only in sight of where we were staying and we went and we spent some time with some of the locals their normal hangout where they have coffee and donuts and so we spent some time there with the owner pat and his son pat and a young man an older man by the name of boogie and you know in louisiana they they talk different than they talk here you know they go down and get some redfish down there you know go we go fishing and catch some redfish down there and so we went up there and we were, Neil and I were able to uh, spend some time with the owner, Pat. And, uh, and here's a photo of our time there on the porch of the marina while it's raining. Um, had the opportunity to share the gospel with Pat in the blue. I don't think he came to Christ, he understood the gospel but it never penetrated his heart. But what I want you to notice is a guy sitting on the left. That's his son. And while I'm sharing the gospel, his son walks up and sits down and begins to listen. And uh, when I'm done with his dad, his dad then is grateful and I'm praying with him here because he says he wants to be 100% sure he can go to heaven. And so he's we're praying that God would reveal himself to him in an amazing way and then his dad gets up and walks inside and his son says, hey, I got a question about what you were talking about. And I said, okay, great. What is it? And, uh, and I was able to share the gospel with him as well, Pat Jr. And let me tell you what, Pat came to Christ. Now, Neil didn't get a shot of that one, but he prayed to receive Christ right there on that porch in front of all the people that were coming by. What a great opportunity. And I realized that we weren't there on a fishing trip. We were there on a missions trip. And the mission was God had a day designed for Pat to come to Christ. Pat Jr. So be praying for Pat Sr. there in the blue. Souls coming to Christ. It's my hope and my desire that as we leave today, you will all be encouraged that you have the greatest message to go and tell. That you have the greatest message. Message to go and to proclaim. Now, there's many topics that I could have talked with about Pat. You know, we were in a fishing tournament, so we needed to know where all the secret spots were and who better to talk to than the guy who owns the marina. And we talked about those things, but the message, the gospel, is what was important. What is it that you desire to go and tell? Turn with me, if you will, if you're not already there, to John 1. We're going to be looking at 35 to 51. There are four examples this morning that I want to highlight from our text uh, that we see arise. And if we are wise, we too, as they are, will be excited to emulate these four people. So first, number one, we see John points his disciples to Christ. Secondly, Andrew points his brother to Christ. Thirdly, Christ commands Philip to follow him. And four, Philip points his friend to Christ. As we look through these verses, the common thread that we see is the fact that there's a bunch of going and telling going on. So let's begin by looking at the first point. John points his disciples to Christ. The passage reads, Again, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. John, as we saw a few weeks ago, knew his role. He still hasn't forgotten what his role is. As a follower of Christ, he has not forgot his role in his relationship to Jesus Christ. He hasn't forgot his purpose, in which God had sent him on the mission to baptize and to reveal the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. His purpose is to point people to Christ, to the Messiah. And this is what he's doing. I believe there's a big temptation for people to want to be followed. And here we are told that John was standing with two of his disciples. These are men that John has invested his life into, who has poured his energy, his resources. But what we see unfold is the fact that that the time has now come for John to release those that he has invested into to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the one that's greater. And I want to encourage you today, listen, not to get caught all up in trying to maintain a following. Because there can be a temptation to think that we are in control of people in whom we disciple, whom we pour our energy in our times, in our talents, in our treasures into, when in reality we are but a resource in, from God into that person so that they can be now goers and tellers of the gospel. We are to train, to equip men and women into mature Christians and then comes the point in which we are to launch them into active Christian ministry to follow Christ notice not to follow Stuart and not to follow anybody else but to follow Christ maybe today you're, you're struggling with letting go of a child that's growing up And now you're watching them launch into following Christ. It's hard to let go, isn't it, of those we spend our life with, those we love and we care deeply about. Maybe today you're struggling with trusting that that person is ready to step into the real world. Listen, hold on to those that belong to Jesus, but understand they are filled with the same Spirit that resides in you. It's the same Holy Spirit that lives in those that have placed their faith in Christ. And so we have to be careful as we do Christian ministry, as we raise our children in the gospel message That we don't get upset when children and Christians come to faith in Christ, grow up in their walk, and move on to another ministry. I say that to say this. We want this church not to be a cruise ship where you buy your ticket and you come in here and you just eat and eat and eat, sleep. And come back and eat. But we want to be an aircraft carrier. Where we come and we bring in soldiers for Christ. And we train them up. Right? And then we launch them out for work. We launch them out. And I believe we live in a time and in a culture who wants to say, I own that Christian or we own that Christian because they're a part of our church and behold, they can't go anywhere else because if they go anywhere else where well, they're not going to be used, behold, we worship a God who wants to multiply go and tellers. Now you can do that in the realm of family Bible fellowship and of course we embrace that and we love that, but we are not to get offended when God calls those Children somewhere else to do his work. We have to be careful. We don't own people. John doesn't own his disciples. He's pointing those disciples to the one whom they must follow. They must follow Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God. John is letting go. He's turning over these whom he's invested his time and energy in life to the one who's got a greater purpose. I love how the passage gives us a real life account. He says in verse 35, Again, the next day John was standing with his two disciples. Uh, They were there yesterday, right? If you look at the passage and you rewind, there's about four days in which we see progress through our time. And yesterday, in verse 29, they were there with Christ when he proclaimed first, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But they didn't come then. They didn't begin to follow Christ then. It wasn't until the next day that they came. We don't own people. We just want people to serve Christ. Christ. And if that means God's calling you to somewhere else to serve Him in the capacity that He has designed for you, then you better believe we want you to be there. One of our purposes and one of our goals as a church is to expand to about 300 people and then dropping 100 of those people into a new church plan and duplicating what's happening here, there. We don't want to just be a source of, oh, you know, it's all about this little street and this point on the map. And I believe that God has the desire to reach not only this point on the map, but so many others that need the gospel. And so I just say that if God is leading you if He puts it on your heart, then follow Him. Because there's nothing worse than pastors, churches, and ministries acting if they are the owners of men. God guides and God directs the hearts of mankind. And it's important that you and I follow His calling. His calling. His directions. So that we can go and tell and point people to Christ. And listen, sometimes the Lord points you in a directions that very few can understand. You, you do realize that, right? If you were in our Sunday school class, we kind of talked about that. God calls us to do things that don't make a lot of sense sometimes to others around us. Not one mentor of mine said, come here to this church. Not one. He said, no, don't do that. Why? Because statistically it was a failure waiting to happen. But when God calls and God moves and God opens doors, if it does not contradict His word because God's will never contradicts His word, then we obey what God calls us to do even when it makes no sense. And I submit to you today the result of what you see is the result of a bunch of people obeying the Lord Jesus Christ going where God is calling them. Are there other churches that have elaborate abilities to make you more comfortable, more programs, more resources? Yes, there is. But God has you here for a purpose, for one greater than maybe you could ever imagine. You look around this room at individuals, and God may have you here to minister to somebody in eyesight. John says he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. John is a great example of go and tell. And we should point people to Christ, the Lamb of God, as he does. So we see John pointing these two disciples, those that he is engaged in learning through the instruction from John, his followers, his apprentices. He is focused on Christ. His objective is making sure that their focus is not on himself but on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, as he looked, behold the Lamb of God. Here he is, guys. He is whom you are to follow. And so these guys begin to entertain the idea of becoming disciples of Jesus. They watch with curious eyes. And the text reads, the two disciples in verse 37, heard Him speak and they followed Jesus. It's amazing how attractive the Word of God is. Do you remember the day when you didn't know Christ and the gospel was preached? When you learned that God sent His Son into the world to live a perfect life to die for your sins and that it was buried and that it was raised again and how attractive that message became here. These guys are seeing how attractive the words of Christ are, how inviting they are, how the word of God draws man and woman to himself. When they hear, they follow. And I think that's why we see in Scripture, he says, let us be hearers of the word. It's a great that these men are now following Christ, but this is Almighty God in flesh, and He knows the thoughts and intentions of man's heart. And so it's just like Jesus to then ask these men a question. He says in verse 38 And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? What do you seek? Basically, Jesus is saying, what are you looking for? I see you following me. What is it you're looking for? They responded to the question, but they didn't respond the way we thought they may have responded, but rather they respond with another question. And so they said, To him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? They, They didn't say, oh Lord, we seek health, we seek prosperity, we seek freedom. They didn't seem to be seeking anything tangible that would better them or benefit them, but rather they are seeking Christ himself. John has taught these men well. They seek not the things of temporal value, the things of the world, but rather they seek plainly Christ. They're not seeking something from him, but him himself. Listen, as we grow in Christ and we desire to know him and to make him known, It's not about what we can get from Christ. It's not about what we can get from him who is able, but rather our desire should be like these men, to simply desire for him himself, Christ, the Messiah. Do we study our Bibles because we want to gain something? Do we get on our knees and pray because we have a problem that has arisen and all of a sudden now prayer becomes important because well, we need Christ now. We didn't need him the last seven to 14 to a month to a year of our life, but now a circumstance has come and all of a sudden now we want to hit our knees. I think we have to ask ourselves, what is in my heart? Do, do, am I seeking Christ because he is the Messiah, the one who loves us and the one who cares for us, or am I trying to gain something from him? And we, I submit, should seek after him because he's the Christ, and we should want to fellowship with our Father who is in heaven. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to tell you you shouldn't pray when you're in need don't don't misunderstand me a lot of times we go through those times because God sees that's how he can get us back to himself do we seek the Lord himself to simply know him and to make him known you see where to go and tell because of what he has done not to come and get. They wanted Christ. Not at this point was there any other agenda. And so they dodge the question and reveal what they are truly seeking. Where are you staying? Because we want you. And so Christ, knowing their heart, speaks to them and says, You want to know where I'll be? He said this in verse 39 Come and you will see. He doesn't ever lay it out all on the table, does he? Boy, it'd be nice. Just say, just tell me, come on. Well, that's not the way a lot of times it works. Because there is a level of faith in which the Lord wants us all to progress in. If he just laid it all down a line, what room would there need to be for faith? And so he said to them, Come and you will see. And so what happens says so they came. And they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Jesus has now invited them personally to follow him and they do. They come and they see and they spend time with him from about 4 p.m. onward and what we find is that this visit instituted the beginning of their intimate relationship with Christ. You see, some here, today in this room, are instructed to go and tell. But there's also those that are here today that are coming here. If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, then you are to go and tell. But if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never placed your faith in Christ, like Pat Jr. You see, I was there to go and tell. He was there to come and see, to come and hear. And I plead with you this morning. If you never put your faith completely in Jesus Christ, then do that today. Place your faith in Christ. The passage continues with a little defining information. In verse 40, he says, "One of the two heard John speak and followed him uh, I'm sorry, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew Simon Peter's brother. And so we've shown, we are shown one of the two disciples. The other one is not um, on the surface revealed. We do believe that it was John, the one who's writing the book. But we do know for certain that Andrew's revealed here. And so we see that John points his disciples to Christ in number one, and they follow. Which results in number two, and that's the fact that Andrew, then in return, points his brother to Christ. You see, this whole, if I could write a book on discipleship, this would be it. It just, blum, 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 it just unfolds so perfectly. I ain't got time to write the book. We'll just preach the sermon. Notice this man's thought here. Andrew, one of the disciples of John. That is pointed to Christ has now followed because he is now a follower of Jesus. He can't help but, but getting the result now of going and telling. Remember, we go and we tell of the things that we are most excited about. And I submit to you that he is super excited about the Messiah that's come. We found the Messiah. It's been a long time, if you don't remember, uh, that as they were waiting on Messiah. As a matter of fact, it was 400 years that they waited to be delivered from Egypt. That's a long time. And then the, later down the road, there was 400 years of silence. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, Messiah comes. You better bet they've been looking and here he is. And they are following him. And now that they are following him, it results in being goers and tellers. And here, Andrew goes and tells. And he says in verse 41, he, found his, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. You remember the day you prayed to receive Christ? I do. March 25th, 2001. The next weekend, I preached at the old folks' home across the street from Ridgeland Baptist Church. I knew nothing, but I shared the gospel. I shared the gospel. I went and told them what I was and uh, what I had become and who did the work. <laughs> I had nothing else to say. I, I didn't even know who Jonah was probably or John or Paul or Saul or the wee little man. I didn't know any of it, but I knew Christ. And I knew that from that point on, God would have me to go to tell. We don't have to go tell them theological terminologies. That's somewhere down the road. They, They don't have to go get a seminary degree. That may be down the road. All they need to know is about Christ and what he's done for them. And here this man goes and finds his brother first. You know, when we come to Christ many times those that we are able to lead our own family family can be difficult can't they I mean I wonder how many this morning have lost brothers and sisters and family members I would bet the hands would go up everywhere and here boldly this man goes and tells his brother Simon we have found Messiah listen John told us that this was the Lamb of God, and we followed. We spent time, and there is no doubt we have found Messiah, and I am excited of what Christ has done. He has come, and now, brother, you too should come and follow. And so the first thing Andrew does is go. Went and found his brother and to tell or to announce the Messiah was here. He therefore, listen, became the first in a long line of successors who have discovered that the most common and effective Christian testimony is a private witness of friend-to-friend conversation, brother-to-brother conversation. This should encourage you who have prayed to receive Christ, who have a message to go and tell, because I'm here to tell you This is the way it's been from the beginning. God puts people in your life so that you'll be the ones who go and tell. What friends have you failed to tell? What brothers and sisters have you withheld because, well, I don't want to offend them. Listen, you ain't going to push nobody away. You don't have the authority to push them away. Christ says, go and tell, go share the gospel. And we see the example. I want to ask you a probing question this morning. Because I believe the commandment to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all of commanding and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That is a commandment for every single one in this room. N- not just for me because I have a heart of evangelism, the gift of an evangelistic heart. But everybody, you've been commanded by God to go and to proclaim the gospel. So let me ask you the question that lurks in our hearts. When is the last time you've said, come and see to someone? How many of us are too busy? I believe they're walking around everywhere. Ready to be saved. The harvest is plentiful. but The workers are few. The fields are ripe for harvest. In my encouragement, I'm not here to beat you up. I, I miss opportunities all the time. It just so happened God slapped me over the head with, with Pat this week. And I was able to be there at the right time and God used that. When's the last time you've gone and told? These are real life examples of men that were men that were impacted by Christ and the results are consistent. This is the result of a transformed life Now I didn't win the nine hundred million dollars because I didn't play, but I was hoping one of y'all did. <laughs> but listen, I mean, think about it. If you'd have won that nine hundred million dollars, because it was like a billion and a half dollar lottery, I think, um, would you have gone and told? I mean, most people say, "No, I'd have got it privately." Listen, we'd have known. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, you you live in a different life. We 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 are excited about things, and we tell people things that we're excited about. And these men are excited because their lives have been changed. They met Messiah, and Messiah has become real to them. And they bought into the Christian life, and they trusted in Christ for salvation. And there's no greater joy than knowing our salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, I promise you, if you've been penetrated with the gospel, it should be that message that flourishes from your mouth whenever the opportunity arises. Whenever it arises. So we have to ask ourselves, how am I doing? And if you've not done it, my point is not to beat you over the head with the Bible and say, get to work, boy, girl. My purpose is to say, listen. You can do it. And you have a message. And be ready because they most likely will reject. If I would have stopped with Pat Sr. and said, well, I give up, that didn't work. Pat Jr. Maybe would have never received Christ. I don't know that. Maybe he died. I I have no idea. But all I'm telling you is you you stop when someone says no. It's not your responsibility or mine to save a soul. We're simply to go and tell. Simply to go and tell. I love the, the fact here that it reveals to us that sometimes it's easy to go and tell, but the next stage of leading someone to the gospel can be the challenging part. Right? If I, When I shared the gospel with Pat Jr., if I'd have just stopped and said, all right, have a nice day, goodbye, he probably would have never... St- Taking the next step of faith. It wasn't until I probed with a little bit more questioning that I was able to walk him through, and he and the light bulb went off, and I saw the spirit of God illuminate his eyes. There's nothing greater. There's no greater joy. You can have everything in this world. Give me a soul that comes to life, and boy, I'll take it every time. But most of the time, they're going to say no. But when they don't, and you go and tell, then we need to continue to the next, because in verse 42, the text continues, he brought him to Jesus. He didn't just go and tell and stop and say, have a nice day. No, go and tell. Now come and see. Come and see. And he takes them to Christ. Old Andrew has brought them in. Not only is he going and telling, but he is beginning a process of bringing a man to Christ, presenting him before the king. I love how all Andrew did was go and tell, and then turn around and came and brought him to Christ. He didn't save the brother. He simply brought the brother. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And while you and I can't bring men to Christ women to Christ, children to Christ, face to face, we can go and tell and bring them to His Word. You see, they brought them to Christ. We bring them to the Word who reveals Christ which is full and complete and lacking nothing. When it comes to Christ, that's Him who begins the work. And so in verse 42 it says He brought them to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, you shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. He basically said, Simon, you now have a purpose. You, you don't know what your purpose is yet, Peter, but I know because I'm Christ and I'm all-knowing. Your purpose is a prophecy Of the future work and position of Peter in history as an apostle who above all others laid the foundation of the church among the Jews on the day of Pentecost and among the Gentiles by the conversion of Cornelius. Come and see. Christ saves them and God uses them. Andrew is simply going and telling Jesus is placing all other things in order. Wouldn't it be very rewarding to think that God used you to bring someone to Christ like Peter? Somebody brought Chuck Swindoll to Christ. Somebody said, come and see, and they went and told about Billy Graham. Somebody went and told and said, come and see. And he came to Christ. And I just happen to believe that God is still in the business of saving souls. And there is somebody that can bring a revival. Maybe it's one of these kids in our church. Maybe it's one of these children who comes to Christ... Who will be standing in this pulpit one day and be, and be proclaiming Christ and boldly? Maybe it's one of these kids who come to Christ that lead your loved one to Christ. It's important we go and we tell. Andrew is simply going and telling. We are to go and tell of the good things that God has done in our life, to proclaim the gospel and to watch God do his thing. And I believe that Andrew and John are both great examples of the progression of becoming disciples of Christ. The teacher, John, teaches the student, Andrew, and I believe that John is the other disciple of whom he is writing this book, and the student commits his life to following the one whom his teacher has taught. And as a way outcome, the student then becomes the teacher and now is leading his brother to becoming a follower of Christ, of the one whom from the beginning was taught about. You see that progression? We have a great picture of discipleship unfolding before our eyes. True disciples are disciple makers. Disciple makers. And so we find John points his disciples to Christ and they follow. Secondly, Andrew points his brother to Christ and he follows. And now Christ is about to set the example as well. A good leader isn't one that simply talks about doing something. Rather, a good leader is one that leads by example. And so while John points and Andrew points, thirdly, Christ commands Philip to follow him. The text continues, the next day he purposed to go into Galilee. I love to see that. He's on task. He had a purpose to go where he was going. And he there he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Philip, follow me. I, I love how well defined we see the purpose of Christ. He just didn't swing by there. He didn't just say, oh, well, maybe there's a possibility of something happening in Galilee. No, Jesus was on task. And I wonder, I wonder how many of us do things and that we're not on task and we lose sight of the internal perspective in the temporal state. Listen, Hope Dale, Louisiana, was a great place to go and fish. Lord will and I will be back. No, By no means, don't get me wrong. I intended to go and catch fish. I purposed in my heart to go and to catch as many fish as I could. I caught so many fish, I couldn't close my hands when I got home because they were swollen. Lots of fish. But there's always a greater purpose. There's always an eternal perspective. And I praise God for the opportunity I had Both Neil and I. I I don't want to sit here and take all the credit. Neil was a part of that as well. He was able to talk and, you know, engage. What an honor. That when we can go and have fun in the temporal sense, we can also be about the eternal perspective. Listen, evangelism... And discipleship must be intentional. It must be a priority. It was for Christ. He went to Galilee and there he found Philip and now Philip has a choice to make. He can obey or he can reject. Listen, we all fit into that category. We all fit into one of these options. Have you obeyed God's call to salvation? in your life, or have you rejected the call of salvation? It was an invitation to follow the blessed steps of the most holy life, to be a partaker at once of his cross and his crown. And how much of this Philip may have understood at this moment is impossible to know. But whether much or little, he is not disobedient to the heavenly calling. Listen, today I plead with you to be like Philip. To obey the call of God in your life. And maybe you've rejected. Maybe you've said, I'm not convinced of this whole Jesus thing. And I pray that God will reveal his truth to you. When he does, my next prayer is that you will not reject, that you will stop rejecting the gospel. Being like Philip. Approached by Christ and while he isn't, here in the flesh, he's here in the spirit, and we have given, been given his holy word, which we are told is, has given us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. He may not speak to you verbally as he did here to Philip, but he's calling you today through his word, through his spoken written word. John was an example to follow, which resulted in Andrew following which resulted in Simon Peter following. And Jesus was an example to follow, which resulted in Philip following, which we will see results in Nathanael following. It's a go and tell of what we see going on. That which is valuable to you, that which is treasure to you, that which you can't contain and withhold from others is that which is Christ. Christ. She'd come out. Jesus finds Philip and says, follow me, and he follows. And in verse 44, we see, now Philip was from Bethsaida uh, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, the city of Bethsaida was of Galilee, was on the western shore of the lakes of Galilee, not far from Capernaum. And it was considered a fisher's paradise, a fisherman's place. A matter of fact, the name stands for a house of fishing. It was a place where all three disciples were from. It was a place of common people, where common people lived. I just love how God always uses common people to bring about his purpose. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm having a hard time. I can't go and share Christ. I want you to know that God uses common people. And if he can use somebody like me, he can use you. He can use you in a great way. If he can use men like Saul, who's converted to Paul, he can use men like you, women like you, children like you. Now, Philip, as we will see, was a man that desired to be a follower of Christ and more so a disciple of Christ that made disciples of Christ. And this took place by the way we see Philip's idea of go and tell. So John points his disciples to Christ, they follow. Andrew points his brother to Christ, they follow. Christ commands Philip to follow and he follows. And we come to the fourth and final example and that is Philip points his friend to Christ. The text continues, Philip now Now Philip found Nathanael and said to him, "We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come from out of Nazareth? What did Philip say? <laughs> he said, Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. John leads Andrew, Andrew leads Simon Peter, Jesus calls Philip, and now Philip leads Nathaniel. We see a bunch of going and telling, and all I want you to understand and leave this morning is the idea is this, this is the expected method in which we as Christians, when we come to Christ, are to follow, to go and tell. I notice here that disciples follow Jesus with no hesitation. Sometimes that's the case in discipleship and evangelism. When Andrew calls Simon Peter, he he follows with no hesitation. Sometimes it's easy like that. When Christ tells Philip, follow me, he responds and follows. No hesitation. It's not always that way, folks. But notice when it comes to Nathanael, we find a man that questions the validity of Philip's proposition. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. But you know, Jesus knows how to handle doubters, right? In John 5, we'll see later in verse 39. He says this very idea, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, but it's in these that testify about me. Jesus is the one of whom the Old Testament pointed to. But hey, we can try and convince you, Nathaniel, but rather than me trying to make you believe, why don't you, Philip, just come and see for yourself? There's a lot of going and telling happening, coming and seeing happening. The text continues in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? So he does end up coming. He ends up coming doubtful, but he comes anyways because when we hear of something that has the possibility of being as a big a deal as this was, you go and see. And Jesus sees this fellow coming, knows that he has doubt in his heart, because remember, his deity in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we see Jesus saw Nathanael coming and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Here Jesus calls Nathanael an Israelite indeed. It can be a bit confusing. But the reason why Nathanael is called a genuine Israelite is his freedom from falsehood. He affirmed Nathanael as a genuine student of Torah, a righteous Jew taught to live in accordance with all the light he had had. He can make a judgment on his own. And as we see, Israelites are important because God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. Christ can see the hearts of men, And while Nathanael is confused, he is wondering still, how is it that you know me, Christ? Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Well, we have the whole story. We can see it unfold. We can, without a doubt, explain how it is that Christ knows this man because he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was there with God and was God and came down from heaven to live among men that we might be saved. And so the question at hand, Jesus answers. He says, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree and I saw you. Not only now do I need to know who you are, but how do you know where I was? This was simply amazing to Nathaniel. No one could have known about what took place unless you were there. And the only way you could have been there and been here is to be omnipresent and to be omniscient, to be deity, to be God in flesh. And so the only conclusion that this young man could come to is what we find here in verse 49 when Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. The light bulb goes off. And God, Christ, reveals Himself to, to Nathanael through a Miracle. Listen, sometimes when you go and tell, people believe. But sometimes they don't. And sometimes it takes an act of divine circumstances for God to be revealed and the truth to be revealed. And that's God's business. We have simply to go and tell. Isn't it great you don't have to go and tell the future of somebody in order to see some soul come to Christ? You just have to say, come and see what good things God has done in my life. And so in verse 50, Jesus answered to him and said, because, you, because I said I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Jesus confirms the fact that, he, that living out his nature is not hard work, but simple for the one who obtains all ability. You think it's a big deal? Brother, you just wait. Greater things than these will you see. So he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angel of God descending, ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You think you're convinced now? Just wait. Later in John twenty twenty nine, Jesus reminds each one of us this, Because you have seen, you believe, but blessed are they who did not see yet believed and that would be every one of us today i come today to simply tell you that christ desires for me and for you to go and to tell to proclaim the gospel because while we haven't christ here in physical form we have read of christ we've heard the testimony of christ We've heard the commands of Christ, and he desires, like John, like Andrew, like Simon Peter, like Philip, like Nathaniel, to be willing to go and to tell. To tell about the Savior. About the treasure that we have found. Because when you have something valuable to you and exciting, you can't help but go and share. And so this week, we have a great opportunity. We have breath in our lungs. Life is precious. Life is fleeting. And in the matter of a second, we can lose our ability to go and to tell. Will you tell this week of what good things God has done for you? And follow the greatest of examples through these men in which we see today.
1: Let's pray. We want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you are challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of John. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us, and have a great week.